wanna get high, man. Let's stimulate your mind. Get up, Chucky! What have we got here? Fucking comedian. <laughs> Rojan Kim. Hello! And welcome to the Rojan Kim Cast. It's me, Rojan Kim. Thank you so much for joining me this week for episode 247. What you just heard was a song that I made called Dump Those Cuck Bucks. It's just a parody of the song, Don't You Want Me. You might remember that hit from the 80s uh, or the 90s if you're not that old, but when it came out, you know, on repeats or whatever they call it, oldies. It's on the oldies channel now, I'm sure, or channel, radio station. I don't know how media works anymore. I remember there was K-Earth 101, they play the oldies, and I bet Don't You Want Me Baby plays on there. And if you know that song, that's what Dump Those Cuck Bucks was all about. Dump Those Cuck Bucks, baby. Dump them. Okay? You know. All right. Anyways. Um... The episode today, today's episode, I haven't done a Bitcoin episode in a while, so I figured I would do a Bitcoin episode, and this is it. Here we are, Bitcoin. Um, I would like to make, you know, uh, it's not a confession, but maybe a proclamation, whatever, or testify. You know, that's what you do. You testify, right? When you're a Christian, you testify. So I'm here to testify about what my relationship with Bitcoin is and how I became this cult member that i am now okay because i will admit that it's yeah it's a cult yeah fuck it it's a cult but it's the best cult okay it's the best cult and i don't know what to really say about that but that's it okay um on twitter today i was on uh i was just uh, scrolling through and i saw a tweet making the rounds in Bitcoin Twitter, right? And it's uh, it said, the crypto people have no sense of humor and a strong inability to laugh at themselves or their singular obsession. This is a bad sign. I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that. And a lot of that uh, is, of course, in the delineation between Bitcoin and crypto, right? Uh, Tim Dillon is... He's younger than me, but in a way, he's like a boomer. He's more of a boomer than I am, you know, because the guy sold mortgage-backed securities. The guy sold, he was like uh, conditioned by peak fiat, you know, that peak fiat mentality. He's from New York. He's from Long Island. You know, he just fucking, uh, so to him, any caring about money at all, you know, it's gauche in a way. It's like you want that fuck you money. When you have fuck you money, you really, you say fuck you to even money. Totally makes sense, you know? Um, and I will agree, like Ethereum people fucking have no sense of humor. Uh, the Dogecoin people kind of have a sense of humor, but it's kind of a retarded sense of humor. You know, there, the crypto space has humor and it doesn't, whatever. He doesn't fucking really know. I mean, how does he fucking know? He's not even really involved in it. He's calling it all crypto. Just that will tell you that he doesn't really know. Anybody who calls it crypto and isn't delineating between the different, whatever, cryptocurrencies, whatever, the shit coins or Bitcoin, if you're not like Bitcoin, or calling out whatever shitcoin it is, then you just don't... Crypto is then just a game like stocks. You know, it's just a gamification of some kind of financial gain. It's gambling. Then at that point, it's just gambling, right? Uh, which is fine. But uh, his tweet was also... Okay, so I wanted to be like, does he really know the difference between crypto and, and Bitcoin? So I, you know, his next tweet was, the Trump cult is like the Bitcoin cult. This is the era of cults. Even the people who talk about individual freedom constantly have become a cult. That's in caps. There's no escaping it. We all find families and meaning somewhere. Human nature to 
human nature to need to contextualize void and find some hope. Okay, so I guess contextualizing void and find some hope is how he defines cult, right? Which I think is a little bit like, well, then everything is a cult. Any kind of meaning. Otherwise, what is it? Nihilism and cynicism? Complete cynicism and nihilism? Like complete, which is actually kind of the ethos of crypto, right? Not Bitcoin, but crypto trading. It's very nihilist. It's a very, or, or all trading, all gamification of finance in general is a YOLO moon ape going in fucking, you know, I don't give a fuck. You know, it's like posting your losses, loss porn, right? Good. Like meme based, like just, you know, it's this fucking massive. I don't give a fuck who gives a fuck. We're all going to die. Blah, 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 blah. Make a hundred X or lose it all. You know, like that's the mentality. Okay. And to me, I feel like that's cultish too. Isn't that kind of cultish? This belief in nihilism, this belief in nothingness, this belief that it's all going to go to shit. That I mean, that seems to me, the belief that having a belief is suspicious to me is also a form of suspicious belief, okay? It's all suspicious. It's all, that's what we all are. We're like the Spider-Man meme of all the Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And that's the entire world. The entire world is at a Mexican standoff. Every individual is holding two guns pointed outward at the entire world. And every other person is pointing them too. And we're all pointing them at each other. Okay? This is the whole world. This is what it is. This is the what it means to be alive. Right? You can't live without killing things. You just can't. Go ahead, try. You can't. There's an entire ecosystem living on and in your body and your individual, whatever it is you eat or whatever has you killing off millions of organisms. You don't even know at that scale. If you shrunk yourself down to that scale, it would be a fucking massacre, genocide. It's because of you. It's because you can't stop drinking soda or whatever, (laughs) whatever it is that you can't stop doing, Tim. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Uh, (laughs) Sure, he's fat, but he, you know, yes, he's. The fat guy wants us to know that it's dangerous to believe in something. How about believing in not eating so much? Okay, but, you know, I actually love Tim Dillon, man. Tim Dillon's awesome. He was in the first Kill... He was the only Kill Tony I was on. I watched him fucking open micing in New York. I uh, think he's fucking... He deserves all the shit, all the success. But I do think he has a very particular point of view, which is very funny. Perhaps it's the funniest point of view to have uh, to... Because in some ways, it is less funny to take something seriously, right? But I think, um, for me, personally, cynicism is not necessarily more funny than optimism. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily... Because cynicism has a... uh, If you believe in cynicism, if you believe that it's all going to shit, right? It's all bullshit. Everything's bullshit. It's all lies. It's all bullshit. Um, and there's nothing good to come out of it, you know, like you're black pilled, you're fucking, you just believe that this is the reality. It's all chaos. It's all nothingness. You know, we live in a void. There's no meaning. The only meaning we have is the meaning we make. And to even believe in anything is to be part of this farce or whatever. Right. You, you know, okay, that's cool. Yeah. You can believe that, but then that's kind of a drag, you know, that's actually not very funny. At all. <laughs> it's not actually pretty serious. If you think about it, that's very serious. Very, I mean, it's to me funnier to be like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my entire life. Like, you don't, you don't know that. You know what I mean? You don't know that. The fucking, you just think that because of you're going off of 
now complete empirical evidence. So what you're saying is that like there is no proof that there's any real meaning in this world or anything beyond this life. So why even accept that there is one? Uh, except that the uh, it seemingly seems that the organizing principle behind much of the world seems to be based upon this very thing you say doesn't exist, right? Believing in ideals, believing in things greater than yourself, whatever, they, if that's their family, it could be family, right? It could be nation, it could be God, whatever. Just the idea that you believe in something more than yourself, that there's more than just you, more than just life, more than just re- material reality, right? And I think the joy, there's joy in that. So who am I to fucking say what's funny or not? It's all subjective, right? And it, the more, the, and it's like that Mark Twain thing, you know, it's like dissecting a frog. The more I am looking into the innards of what is funny and what isn't, the less funnier it becomes. The more explained it is, less funnier it is. So whatever. Was I triggered by his tweet? Sure. I'm here to defend Bitcoin and Twitter, all right? I'm here to defend... Mostly because the reason I picked Bitcoin, a lot of the reason why I knew Bitcoin was the one for me was because of how funny it is, of because of the humor, because of their ability to laugh at themselves and to attack them each other and the fucking, you know, so it just speaks to me that Tim Dillon's kind of like a young boomer, you know what I mean? He doesn't know, he doesn't know, what's, he doesn't really know what's going on. I mean, he's younger than me, but he's like, I don't know what's going on, you know, and that's fine. And he's got the money now, he's got people paying him a tithe, a monthly tithe, this man has hundreds of thousands of followers who pay him a monthly tribute, and he's warning you about the dangers of cults. Okay, boy, watch out. Watch out for these cults. Watch out. Well, what is a cult, right? I don't want to look up a, I'm going to look up a Webster's definition of a, what's a, what is a cult, right? Because people, I feel like cults become subjective to the, uh, the accuser, right? Because Christianity was a cult. I mean, could you say it has the elements of a cult now, I guess, but at some point cults become religions. So what is that? Does it become a religion when the state, the king or whoever said, okay, now you're a religion? That doesn't seem, I don't know. It seems to be like anti I think you can actually find the words of Christ saying that we are not, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Like we are not part of the state. The state isn't supposed to decide what the religion is. So I don't know if that definition to me reaches muster because then it seems to the state anybody who's not an accepted religion would be a cult in fact the romans probably designated christians a cult because they wouldn't accept the pantheon of jupiter or whatever right they wouldn't accept the pantheon because the romans were like look we're pagans we'll fucking we'll throw jehovah in the mix he could be we'll make up a whole story about how he like I don't know, washes Zeus's feet or something. Yeah, we'll make something up. Not Zeus, sorry. Fucking, we ripped Zeus up from the green. It's Jupiter, right? Totally different. Jupiter, right? We're always all up in arms about how the Chinese steal everything from us or whatever, but look at the fucking Romans. Maybe that's what they're supposed to do. The Romans took every single bit of culture they had, right? Fucking Italians were the first Chinese. The Italians... The Italians are fucking, they took all of Greek culture and just changed, swapped the names. It's literally the same stories. Everything's the same. Everybody knows it too because the Greeks were the ones who taught them it. They had all these Greek slaves teaching them to read and write. Back then, they had a very literate Greeks. You know, Greek, to learn Greek was like to learn Latin, right? Or to learn fucking French. Or to learn, it's like the higher class language or whatever, except they conquered Greece. So they had a bunch of Greek slaves teaching them the high class language that they just jacked they just jacked from them right um anyways very chinese so here we are back to bitcoin bitcoin is the best cult what is a cult right cult i guess implies 
a decentralized a sort of decentralized like network of belief right and i and i think cult is always a value judgment based on whoever's like the dominant whatever whatever is dominant social convention whatever is like that you go oh that's a cult there's danger to that there's a cult i mean when it becomes a real cult is when there's like death involved or fiery destruction self-harm any kinds of there's a, a line where the cult becomes bad but until you hit that line i'm like i don't know people need belief systems what's the alternative believe in nothing we're just all nothing and we just I don't know, just fucking rack up debt and buy shit and cram our faces full of fucking poison and then we don't have a we don't care about family, we don't care about anything, we don't own anything and then we fucking die and then that's it. That that's that's normal. That's the way with that's the way things should be, you know what I mean? That's the no, Dude, how empty can you be? How empty could your life possibly be? You know what I mean? To ultimately have nothing. Nothing to really be like, oh, it's all nothing. And even if it is nothing, then that means it's your responsibility to come up with something. Perhaps it is the difference in age. Maybe it is becomes, a, a, you know, I just turned 43. Tim Dillon, I think, is 35 or so. You know, he's younger than I am. He hasn't quite, he hasn't quite reached the level of maturity that I'm at. And when you, when you get to my age, Tim, you'll find that, you know, there you got to find some meaning in life. We're going to find some meaning. Maybe, you know, maybe that's part of the, it is part of the human condition right i will accept that yes it is chaos i will accept that sure we are the ones who attribute meaning to things okay i'll take yeah i'll take it but then what then what we just fucking jack off to porn and just fucking die fat pieces of shit like is that what we do is that that's it lonely sad just materialistic pieces of shit like is that that's it that i don't know it seems like that's the test the test is to look right into the eye of chaos, the nothingness, the void coming, the death coming, right? My cousin Han tells me a lot about Denial of Death, this book that he wrote. Read, he, he didn't write it. He should have written it. <laughs> you hear me, Han? Um, no, Denial of Death, right? And it's really, you could see it, that's what all of COVID was about, right? Denial of Death, right? And really, whose death? Boomers. Fucking boomers. This whole thing is for fucking boomers. This whole thing is for fucking boomers, okay? Those are the people who are dying the most and they want to make little kids get masks and get vaccinated with an experimental vaccine because they might get sick. Fucking boomers. Boomers who have had the most wealth in all of human history and then have decided to keep it so that the next generation after them has less wealth than them for the first time in recorded history. Boomers, okay? The boomers created the situation complete and total cynicism. I think the way they created it is because they created a society where every one of your whims, your your desires should be catered to. Every one of your, you don't want to wake up, hit the snooze button. You can't drink sugary soda because you hear some diet soda. You you know what? It's just like no matter what, you can't reach that thing you're too big and fat. Here's a stick. Here's a cool stick to reach it. You can't move around. Here's a scooter. Like every little, instead of having to improve yourself, work hard, become better, there's just a product. Here's a product you can get. Here's something you can get. That's why all this mask stuff, right? It's marketing. It's a product. It's a visible product you can get. Instead of fucking not being fat, instead of losing some fucking weight, when you see that 70% of the complications from people with COVID are from the obese, 
Instead of doing something about that, they give you Krispy Kremes for getting vaccinated and tell you to put on your mask, right? Put on your mask so everybody can see what side you're on. Take this vaccine, which is a product we've commodified, right? Don't take those drugs that seem to help it, that have decades of study but aren't patentable, okay? Don't take that. Listen to us. Listen to us. Buy our thing, right? Buy our thing. So in an era where everything is like that, how could you not look for a cult? How could you not look for meaning? Why don't you, why, doesn't it make sense why people are so into sports, why people are so into entertainment, why people are so into this and that and this and that? They're just looking for meaning. There's no meaning in our lives. There's no meaning in our families. There's no real religion. There's no real uh, state anymore to nationalism to get behind, you know? There's, there's politics, which is, it's really just this game, this pro wrestling thing going on that people can get into. And there's pro wrestling, which is at least entertaining, but, you know, I mean... It's not real. I mean, but it's entertaining. It's fiction. Just, I mean, none of it's real. That's the thing. The things we are all so into, none of it's real. And so I would put forward the notion that for me, part of my journey into becoming a Bitcoin cult member is the idea of reality. What's real? Truth. What's real? Proof of work. That's real. Right? The Bitcoin protocol is based around consensus reality it's not about one central point of view saying that this is reality it's about an entire community coming together forming consensus about what's reality but not in a communistic way where they're all like you know it's actually using one of the most uh inherent drivers of human action greed right it's actually incentivizing people to participate in an egalitarian and uh, peaceful way on this network for the mutual benefit of everyone, right? It's not a, it's not a communistic thing. It's not it's not a thing where we're like trying to take away anything you've earned or anything. You know, it's not equity. It's not the idea that like if you win the race, you should take third place and let somebody else get ahead of you just because of their skin color or their historical whatever bullshit you come up with, right? It's not about that. It's just about it's about sovereignty. There's a whole the issue of sovereignty, whatever you know, and, and individual freedom. Maybe that is a cult, right? But it seems like the best cult to be in. Seems like if you're gonna believe in anything, it's better to believe in this fucking thing called America and the ideals that of the freedom that they came up with, as opposed to this new neo feudal technocracy that we're heading toward, right? This digital panopticon that we're gonna be trapped in or every one of our movements, every one of your financial transactions, every one of your medical issues, they're all interconnected, right? To form a digital fingerprint of you so that you, if you ever step out of line, they got you, can't hide. And really it's, since you know that they got you, you probably won't step out of line, right? Because it's you, your family, everybody, you know. And why not? Why not? The most uh, dangerous thing to a system trying to maintain control are um, uncontrollable elements, uncontrollable elements, right? Things that get things, things, people that get out of line, get out of hand. Man, I did not even get into Bitcoin, really. This is all kind of 20 minutes of just being in the clouds in the we. <laughs> but I think it's important, man. Alex Jones is right. We are in an info war, right? We are in a war of ideas, a war of words, a war of language, a war of information. 
It's what's good. And the war is not a centralized war, really. I mean, in some ways it is. There's a state. There's whatever. But it's it's decentralized. It's because you're dealing with the nature of reality. You know, I go on and on about Plato's cave, right? About being in the cave and the shadows on the wall and people who think the shadows are real. And then there's some people who end up going outside and trying to come in, trying to tell people, hey, no, those are just shadows. There's real shit outside. You are automatically regarded as a lunatic or a dangerous person. Okay, and I, this is you know this is how I am regarded, even by my own drug dealer. You kid, you understand? I told that story about the fucking my own drug dealer trusts the government more than I do, and I'm like, what is? I'm in the fucking twilight zone. Okay, <laughs> that's where we're at. We're the man who is giving me, hooking me up with psilocybin mushrooms, is telling me that no, I think the government is really you know they made some mistakes, but they're still have our best interests in mind. And I'm like, okay, what? what? They put you in jail for this. All right, I don't know. Anyway, to me, Bitcoin was a revelation, right? Um, And revelation, I found a definition. It says, divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world. You know, and does it have to be divine? I mean, I feel like divine, divinity, supernatural, these things were things that described moments of inspiration, you know? The, the muse, per se. They described it as a goddess, right, uh, coming to you. And maybe it is. I mean, I don't know. We don't have the language. That's, from my experience with psychedelics, I know that the human brain just does not have the capacity to describe everything, okay? There's some things outside the realm of language. And the closest thing we could say it is is the muse visiting you, is inspiration, right, eureka, like these things. We can't explain what it is. It's almost like we're vessels. It's almost like we're, uh, you know, and, uh, and I had a revelation with Bitcoin, right? Uh, uh, a disclosure of something relating to existence and the world, right? Um, so I'll get to that. I think my first exposure, first exposure to Bitcoin, Andreas Antonopoulos on Joe Rogan. Apparently that was January 2014. It was the first time I heard about it. First time I heard about it was 2014. I was like, ah, oh, what is this? I looked at through my records. First time I bought was at Coinbase, was through Coinbase. And I think there was like only four cryptocurrencies back then. And I was buying Bitcoin. I was buying Litecoin. I was buying Ethereum. You know, I was buying everything because I had no idea. I didn't know what anything was. 2016, I had to sell everything. <laughs> I sold everything. Not only did I sell all my cryptocurrency, I sold uh, my techniques, turntables that I had since fucking 2000, before 2000, 1990, whatever. I uh, had to sell them. I had to sell a shitload of records. I had to sell my, uh, oh, my sweet Mac Pro. I had to sell everything. Oh, I sold my 70, Canon 7D camera. I sold everything because I was coming to L.A. I was moving out of New York to come to L.A. Needed the money. Sold everything I had. It was a fire sale. Everything was go, right? Sold everything. It would be four years into the pan, right? Four years, pandemic starting until finally I came around starting to buy Bitcoin again. Honestly, it wasn't until then I had money to start accumulating, right? Of course, I lost all my Bitcoin in a boating accident. So I have no more Bitcoin as, but I'm still believe I'm still in the cult. See, Bitcoin, you don't have to own Bitcoin to be in the cult, okay? Okay, my skin in the game is everybody else, right? Like, it's not about me anymore. But anyways, you know, the pandemic happened. There's all this stimmy, right? All this money. Really got me thinking to, well, what the fuck is money, right? 
I did a podcast about this earlier, uh, just about my nature, you know, the, the nature of my relationship with money and how it relates to my dad, you know, and it's all emotional. Money is very emotional. Okay, it is. It's tied to everybody's experience of money. It happens when you're a kid, and a lot of it's through your parents, and a lot of it is probably you didn't have enough. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have money, then it becomes a whole other issue in your mind, right? But if your parents didn't have money, that's how you kind of learn about what money is. It's something that you certainly didn't seem to have enough of, and if you had more of it, things would be maybe mom and dad wouldn't fight so much, you know? Maybe that, you know, that's, I feel like that's a very common introduction into money you know because when you're a kid you want things you want things and then you realize it costs money and then you know part of you is either like feels guilty because your parents didn't have money you know they don't have money so then they feel bad and then they come up with all these reasons and you kind of pick up on that and then you feel bad and you know there's a whole cast it's a lot of emotions a lot of emotions so you know i decided to delve into it deal with the fact look i'm in i was in la because of my dad right i fucking said fuck you to money because of my dad Right. And I said to myself, I can't let my fucking dad run my life. He's not even in my life. My dad ran off to Texas with some Chinese waitress. Uh, he's not he's, ob- he's obviously not in my life. So I got to extricate my emotional relation like money. I have to just get over it. So I decided to learn what the fuck it is. So I started learning about uh, I started learning about currency exchange, just money because that's money, I guess. And then I realized this isn't money. If you learn about the forex markets, you're like, oh my god, this isn't money. It's just everything's just floating in space based on each other, you know. And it's everything's just focused around the, around the U.S. dollar, the euro, or the the yen, and then everything just kind of revolves around that. It's just this exchange. You're playing for bips, fractions, and you're like, this is fucking ridiculous. So I started learning about stocks, you know, and I was like, okay, this is the value. You know, it's like shares represent ownership of a company. But then the more you look into it, it's like, no, it doesn't. Not anymore because everything's gamified. Like Robinhood, those shares you buy in Robinhood, you don't own those. Those are just, it's just like a marker you own that Robinhood owns. You don't own that. And you can cash out, but you can't actually take the stock. The stock doesn't mean anything. So that, and I was like, you know, and the fucking shit's rigged. It's all rigged. They can stop you from trading at any moment. There's fucking, they're front running you with all the data they're using. I mean, the whole thing. It's a centralized, rigged system, you know. So then I start looking into precious metals, right? Hard money, Ron Paul's case for gold, uh, sorry, Hans Hermann Hoppe. It's just a lot of like libertarian Austrian economic stuff. Um, I mean, you start realizing, okay, why gold was the soundest money? Why everybody wanted it? What the gold bugs are going about, going on about? But at the same time, what you're starting to see is that like, oh shit, they got all the gold. Like all the central banks have the gold. They got it, and they're, so, and they're issuing paper gold. So the mo- the thing you can really get is paper gold. You can try to get physical gold, but then then what? Just gonna have a, this pile of gold someone can take from you? Like I don't know, you know? Doesn't say, you know. So then that brought me back to Bitcoin, of course, right? Brought me into Bitcoin. But before I was fully into Bitcoin, before I had my revelation, of course I have to do some shit coinery. So I I was shitcoining, man. I was fucking trying. I was I think I bought Safe Moon at one point, and flipped it. I made money off of it, but I, you know, and I finally got I pulled. That was the last of my real shitcoining. Was like I figured out how to get Safe Moon on Pancake and flip it for B and B. And I was just doing this thing where I was like flipping it and getting more B and B and then cashing that out. And then, but then I realized, oh shit, I'm gonna fuck. It. I better get out. I pulled out of it. I have no idea what any of that shit is now. Pulled out of it. You know, converted it to Bitcoin. Um, I have some bags, some bags from long ago, right? Some bags, for, oh, not long ago, last year, but, but, you know, just stuff that I'm just going to dump. I'm just dumping 
stuff, but I still, you know, I shit coined. I went through it. I was trying to play, play that game of like, ooh, maybe I'll catch the pump, pump it, pump and dump it, pump and dump, you know? Um, and thankfully I didn't get too wrecked. Didn't get too wrecked. I will confess that I, um, did the thing. There's this block thing where you can take out a loan against your crypto, whatever. I did do that. So I did leverage myself. Uh, was it painful going through this recent correction? No, because I, I told you I lost all my Bitcoin. Um, so it's gone. It's all gone, but it was an important lesson. Don't do it. Don't do these custodial lending things like BlockFi. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, you know, it's all about chasing yield, all about number go up. You know, number go up, number go up, number go up. But then here's where the revelation came. Here's the revelation, the orange pill, right? Here's where the revelation came. Is when I realized number go up gains in what? Right? Did Bitcoin do well? Or bad today? You think, oh, is it going up or is it going down? But in what? In what? U.S. dollars. Everything is priced, in my mind, in U.S. dollars. Even though I know intellectually that the U.S. dollar is being devalued, that the U.S. dollar is not a good measuring stick, that the U.S. dollar is a melting ice cube, like Michael Saylor says, right? Like It's like, uh, even though I know all this stuff, I'm still, I can't help but measure things. And I still... Still, it's like so hard to try to go onto a Bitcoin standard, right? So hard. But once you do, once you, you try, you do, then you have to carry that logic through, right? Then what's the point of trying to make 100x? You know, what's the point of being like, well, but Ethereum will do better than Bitcoin. But better in what? Dollars? Not better in Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. So Ethereum has to perform relative to Bitcoin. And relative to Bitcoin, Ethereum is going down. Relative to Bitcoin, almost every asset is going down, pretty much, okay? So once you start seeing that, it's hard to unsee it. And so that's the revelation, right? Is that divine? Is that supernatural? No, not really. Not really, because that's just price action. You see something's going up, everything's going down. I think on top of that, the revelation was how the protocol all fits in, how this is all about the protocol. It's all about the protocol. It's about the base layer of a new global monetary system does that all sound like buzzwords sure a lot of people say hey those are just buzzwords doesn't mean anything okay let's break it down global makes sense right international across borders we you get that global monetary money network network right connected individuals connected along connected together internationally this money it's not very crazy. It's not a hard thing. You know, it's not like, whoa. It's not, these aren't buzzwords. It's fucking, you know, and it seems very fantastical, very cultish, right? When people are talking about like Bitcoin fixes this, fix the money, fix the world, right? You do that. But if you really understand the thesis behind all of this, it's a hard money thesis. It's that fiat, the fiat standard, the fiat system, the idea of fiat is all it is is like fucking shop to drop, right? Fucking just take out debt. Everything is that makes everything meaningless. There's no point in working. There's no what's the point in working when all you can do to get rich is just fucking buy assets, right? Or just play these games. What's that? There's no work involved in that, right? What's that? Money becomes meaningless because you don't need to really work to make it anymore. You just make money by making money, right? It just becomes this fucking game, this fucking casino game. So then life is meaningless. Everything is meaningless, and you find anything, uh, you find hold everything suspicious. Anybody who has any meaning 
anybody who says they believe in something you find suspicious because maybe it's just a way of trying to get your money, right? Everything is really a scam. Everything is really to try and get this money. But what is the money? It's fucking worthless. Everybody's playing this game to get a bunch of shit that's shit, right? Like if, if you told me I'll give you one nugget of gold or a million nuggets of shit, right? Some people will be tempted by all that. They may be like, I could sell this shit. I could sell this shit. Shit is flammable. I don't know. People like shit. Some people want shit. I might be able to market this shit. And some people will take that deal. Okay? Some people would rather take a million pieces of shit than one piece of gold. And that's just... But maybe that's why things are the way they are. You know? You can't have... Everybody can't be a winner in this game. You know? Only like 5% of traders or something actually make a profit. You know? But you can't... The entire industry is held up by that 95% of people trying to make it. And they're, they're, they're not. <laughs> they're being out-traded by those five. Right? That's the entire that entire market there, right? So then that also makes you understand that like okay, there's no real point in trading either, or trying to time the market, or trying to you know fucking with the market or whatever. It's just like just having the singular belief that this digital asset is probably going to be the foundation for a new global monetary network, right? In like a decade, you can already see it's happening. It's happening after you pay attention to the news. You see that it's being adopted. It's out there. It's going on. Much more than any other crypto, right? Um, and then it's not about this game. It's not about the number go up game. It's it's not about that. Once you realize that, you're like, oh, okay. And then you can fucking this is like trying to this is like getting in on the ground floor of the internet. Okay? This is like AOL. It's like AOL's here, and everybody's like, no, it's going to be bigger than AOL. We're going to take this protocol, and it's going to be decentralized. It's going to be everywhere, right? And it's time we can get in right now. And being like, ah, I don't know. AOL seems like it's always going to be AOL, America Online. I mean, who could ever? AOL will never go away. It'll never go away, they said. AOL, it's going to be here forever. 2020, it's going to be AOL 60.3. You're going to be running AOL, everybody. Right? That's what people thought. Because people don't actually have foresight. People cannot predict the future. People have no idea what's going on. Because, yes, I do believe there is chaos in the world. We are hurtling through chaos. And part of what gets us through that is organized human action. And the way to organize human action is through mm, things like beliefs. You could do it through force. But why not do it through um, a mutually beneficial, peaceful, non-aggressive, right, and, yes, incentivized by greed, but why not do that? Because uh, I think it was in Sapiens, it was that Yuval Harari book, where he talked about how, like, commerce was really the most peaceful thing that human beings were able to do, and it stopped us from killing each other. Like, we were able to be like, okay, we actually have goods we could trade. We don't have to kill each other for them. We could just, you know, it's much better this way. This is what, you know, and, and so money, commerce, these things allowed people to cross these boundaries these differences these cultures or whatever right and come up with a common language the language of the market right supply and demand right and gold or the um the hardest money gold is what you won out over this giant evolution of the market people fucking deciding what you know because it was the hardest money some people traded in salt some people traded in you know bartered some people but in the end it just gold is way better but the thing about gold is it got heavy so then you had to issue paper against the gold right Right. And now we're fighting for those pieces of paper that aren't even backed by gold. So that's what you want. 
That's what you want 100x on. That's what you want 100x on Safe Moon. On. That's what I was thinking. 100x on Safe Moon, and then I could take that. And then of course, uh, then of course, part of it is like, well, you could take that and then buy Bitcoin with it, you know? And that would take that. And it's all this energy, all day, and it's really just a uh, dopamine game designed to keep you playing. Because if you win, you'll keep playing. And the more you play, the more likely you'll lose. Because in the end, the house wins. That's all it is. You keep playing, baby. Keep playing. Yeah, you're winning. You're winning. Yeah, you're winning. That's a, that's a, you know, that's how you get people to keep playing is you get them to win. They keep winning. And then one day they'll lose. They'll lose little by little or they'll, they'll lose it all. It's just, you know, it's the reaper will come for you, right? In the house, when you're playing in the house of uh, chance, you're, right? you're playing games of chance. It's the house. The house wins because the game is rigged. You have to understand. That's just the way it is. And then you willingly, if you want to play that game for fun, that's what the, where the fun is. You know it's rigged, and hopefully you win. You know? Anyways. So I, you know, fell down this rabbit hole. The orange pill, right? I fucking... Uh, I started listening to a lot of podcasts. I started reading books. I read the Bitcoin Standard. I went to sailor.org and took the Bitcoin for Everybody course, which has tons of reading. From there, you can branch out. There's so many different readings, so many different, you know, hours and hours of information, okay? Um, I started listening to the uh, crypto podcast at first, like Coindesk or whatever. Then I moved on to What Bitcoin Did, hosted by Peter, Peter McComick, right? And uh, Which is great but that's kind of like this normie level this sort of top the sort of mainstream like peter mccormick is a good guy to start listening to what bitcoin did it's a good guy to start listening to to like start crossing that boundary into being a normal person into learning about bitcoin but then i started listening to um tales from the crypt with uh, marty bent matt odell right and then citadel dispatch with just matt odell right and then i started listening to max kaiser's podcast uh, Orange Pill Podcast, Max and Stacy. Um, and I start, you know, and then I start listening. There's BTC Sessions. There's fucking, I don't know. There's, there's tons of fucking Bitcoin podcasts, you know. Tons go down the rabbit hole. And it just takes time. It takes time. It takes time to learn the language. It takes time to learn it. It takes time to learn what to make everything click, right? Uh, you find Michael Saylor videos. and re- He's a good sort of normie to Bitcoiner kind of cross-boundary person. Lynn Alden's another one. These are like traditional finance people, traditional corporate people who are beca- who've become Bitcoiners, right? And then you see that like, they're not fucking morons. They're not idiots. They have a very sound case for what they're saying. And then you can continue and continue and see that there's more. There's more to all of this. There's more. There's, there's running your own node, right? What the fuck is that? What the fuck is running your own node? And you realize, ah, oh, that's, that's what the Bitcoin network and protocol is composed of individuals like me running nodes so i decided to run a note i got a raspberry pi follow these instructions uh started up you know a company it's like a company called umbral so i started up a node using umbral and umbral super easy umbral's got lightning it's got everything it's got it's got everything under one like sort of uh under the box under the hood yeah everything under the hood right uh the only problem with it for me was that it wasn't open source. And also I wanted to just learn more. I wasn't satisfied with just like Umbral has like a very, very, very basic level of command line knowledge just and everything else after that is like a web-based GUI, right? Graphic interface. Um, so I was like, you know, what? I want to learn more. So I migrated from Umbral to something called Rasby Blitz, right? So this is a Raspberry Pi based lightning and Bitcoin node. Right, because I wanted to learn more about Lightning, the Lightning Network, 
which is the second layer that's on top of Bitcoin that's enabling fast payments, micro payments, all kinds of payments at the speed of the Bitcoin, uh, like faster than the Bitcoin network. So it doesn't take the 10 minute confirmation time that you might be used to. If you send Bitcoin on chain, it's actually like instantaneous because it's the second layer that's operating off of that. So you basically get to run a node on that network start to learn how to route payments or start to learn how to open channel. I'm, I mean, I'm just starting, right? Um, and this is really all about uh, Bitcoin culture, right? The bottom-up Bitcoin pleb culture. They call themselves plebs, like in Roman times, speaking of Rome, right? And the fucking plebs make Bitcoin Twitter. The fucking plebs make it all. The plebs and the plebs are the ones who are making all this technology, um, like fucking Raspi Blitz, right? That's all open source shit. It's like there's people donating their time making this stuff all right uh plebnet is really a group of plebs who are learning lightning learning how to route payments learning how learning just it's very new all of this stuff's very new but people are on the bottom are teaching each other how to do this stuff okay so yeah i guess it's, is that a cult sure but is there good coming out of it yes are people trying to kill each other is it all about greed no that's the thing I mean, greed, sure, is the incentive, like, oh, to make more, to make more of this soundest money. But that's not the incentive for creating an open... If greed is the only incentive, why would things be open source? Why is free and open source a big part of the ethos? Why do people get attacked for not being free and open source? You know what I mean? Like, why would that happen? Because that's not... That isn't... It isn't about just about making money. It isn't just number go up. You understand? I I mean, once you see that, then you're like, oh, fuck, what you're investing in is like a new protocol, the new internet, okay? Then I started getting into privacy. You know, you now I run two nodes. So I have two nodes. I got a, I got a Lightning node and I got a, a Ronin Dojo, which is basically another node that assists in privacy. You can do things like coin joins, things like that, you know, you, uh, basically to increase your privacy set. You start learning about Samurai Wallet, Samurai stack of tools, Ronin Dojo, Whirlpool. Start learning about all this stuff and what it's used for. And basically, the 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 short of it is that Bitcoin is a transparent network. Everything you do, all the transactions are on chain. You can see them, right? So, in order to break those links from these coins to you, you could put them put them into a mixer. It's basically like, uh, let's say you had all these coins, right? Uh, like uh, gold coins. They're a bunch of gold coins, and they come from all over. And what you do is you could take them to a place, put them in a smelter, and get new coins minted, fresh new coins minted from your molten gold. You know, and maybe the smelter takes a little portion, right? It takes one coin out of ten or whatever, whatever it is they do. But that's just, that's all it is, mixing coin, so that you can break these links, right? So that, you know, and it's just to really prevent snooping, you know, they can see where you bought from. They can see how much is in your wallet. They could see there's a lot of information they can glean off of you using a lot of um, whatever their algorithms or whatever to snoop, right? So if you spend any Bitcoin, I, prov- I suggest you learn to mix it. Or you learn Lightning, which avoids that sort of on-chain transparency. Listen to me. I act like I know what I'm talking about here. Um, and then, of course, I think the natural tendency from there is to learn about mining, about mining Bitcoin, how do you just get mining? Mining because it's just producing the Bitcoin, right? Helping to secure the network, the transactions. Um, recently, there was a giant exodus of miners from China because China forced them out. They said, 
get the fuck out right like and so miners are forced to leave so mining hardware is at an all-time low and i'm just like oh i guess but i live in a tiny apartment which does not have the electrical capacity or they're really the capacity to run a miner like a single miner can heat up your house to like over 120 degrees or something you know there's a lot of heat a lot of energy this is not feasible not feasible right now, but it is feasible for somebody who has a larger home, who has a 220 volt outlet or can get an electrician to install one, you know, and has a reasonable electricity cost to get, um, you know, one of these miners and just set it up for home. Uh, mining for the streets. Look up that, you know, look at that start there and you'll find other, um, the last Citadel dispatch actually is all about home mining. So if you feel like you're up for it, you could listen to that. Um, but anyways, I think that mining is probably, for me, the next step, like figuring out how to do it. There are all these hosting things. There's a, maybe I'll move to a colder place, you know, whatever. It's just something, this is like, this is when we're in the bear market. This is later. I, this is not, I can't really do that stuff now. But I'll, it's something I think about later. And the thing about mining, which brings me to my last point, where I'm at in my Bitcoin journey, is uh, mining is a way of accumulating non-KYC Bitcoin. And what is KYC? KYC is short for know your customer. Know your customer. You know, anytime you have to buy Bitcoin from an exchange, you have to put up all your information. You have to put up a selfie with yourself, the license, you have to put it in your, you know, all, all that stuff is connected to that exchange wallet that you're buying Bitcoin in. And so anybody tracking your transactions from that point on can link you back to that exchange. And because of KYC regulations, exchange, if the government goes, hey, I need this info of this person, they'll just give it up. They'll just give it up, right? So that's, you know, that's the problem with KYC is that it's sort of, uh, there's no privacy. They're going to just give up your info and whatever. So, but in this day and age, what you, what are you going to do? I've already accumulated a bunch of Bitcoin. I've already got, you know, under KYC. That I, And then I lost it. That's the way out. You got to lose it. I lost it. And then they can't prove you have Bitcoin. So then if one were to start accumulating non-KYC Bitcoin, especially in this time where there was a 50% uh, drop from the all-time high, it's a perfect time to start accumulating another stack of non-KYC Bitcoin. Non-KYC meaning you, I didn't use my name and address. You know, Perhaps I used a burner phone to get something from an ATM. There are peer-to-peer -peer, uh, decentralized exchanges online you could use. There's many different ways you could earn it. And you can mine it, you know. So it's basically accumulating Bitcoin without having to give up all your info so that it's all trackable, right? And you can see why that's important in an age where there is more and more surveillance. There's more and more digital surveillance. And there's an increasing chance that the government is going to want a piece of your pie. It's going to want a piece of that. Whatever you're making there, I want a piece of that, right? Even though... They didn't give a fuck about it. They didn't care about you. But now that it's doing well, oh, okay, now I want a piece of that, right? So you can understand why a lot of people maybe don't want to have Bitcoin on the books, why they want some maybe a little bit off the books. Maybe you have some on the books, you have some off the books. So yeah, I think if you're going to do anything with your Bitcoin, like get a house, if you are gonna, if you need the cash to, to get something, it's probably a good idea to have some on the books Bitcoin, right? Keep some Bitcoin on the books. Keep it up and up so that you can sell it to do whatever you need to do. But on the other hand, it's probably a good idea to also have a nice stack of Bitcoin, you know, like gold in a safe that nobody knows about. Just just your gold on your own, disconnected, you know, from you personally. 
you know, maybe that maybe that's uh maybe that's worthwhile. I don't know. Something to think about. So yeah. Is it a cult? Sure. But it's the best cult. You know why? Because it's not based on bullshit. I mean, it's not you just read just read the white paper. Just read everything. Just look over look over everything and you'll understand why it's not bullshit. In fact, that the very nature of it is about not is about transparency. It's about proof of work. It's about proof. It's about proving things. It's about showing your work, right? So the Bitcoin culture kind of uh, encourages doing work, showing work, lowering time preference, right? Lowering time preference means you, uh, there's an experiment. It's a famous experiment with kids where they bring them in a room. They go, listen, you can eat this one marshmallow now, or if you wait five minutes, you can get two marshmallows. Right. And it was like roughly like 50 50. The kids would just eat the first mark. You know, that's that's uh, that's a high time preference. That's somebody who can't wait till later. But what you really want is low time. You know, you want to be able to make it through that five minutes and get the two. That's all savings is right. Savings is not spending your money now, saving it so that later on you could do something with it. But savings is penalized in an environment where there, the interest rates are low and there's inflation so that you're now you're losing value. Right. So what you really need to do is take out debt and spend it and then take out more debt. Then you're always ahead of the curve, always spending, getting stuff, right? And that's what they want. That's stimulating the economy, right? That's creating money in the economy. Money is created through debt, right? And then you just, that's, that's the cycle. So then you can't save in that. So that's why everybody's time preference is, you know, so high. That's why I, I think that's the right way to say it. I keep getting confused on that. But that's why everybody is like, fucking get it now. Try it now. Get it now. Go. Get it now. That's why. You know, that's why. Um, so, I don't know. If, indeed, the cult is all about fucking the value of hard work, learning to save, the value of, you know, the the value of transparency. Like, I don't know. It seems like the best cult to me. Seems like a pretty sweet cult to me. Seems like one that's kind of focused on, you know, at least trying to get down to some consensus of truth, right? Instead of uh, f- this idea that, like, the people who have more money, the most money, get to say, get to say what they, what, you know, we get to say what it is. And that's pretty much what's going on, anyways, in the regular world. It's the rich, the famous, the Tim Dillons of this world <laughs> who, uh, you know, try, try to tell you what it is and how it's going on when really it should be up to you. You know, trust but verify. That's the old, you know, the old saying from Russia or maybe Reagan or whatever comes out of the Cold War, but Bitcoiners use it a lot. You know, trust but verify. Verify it. And you can. When you run your own node, you can verify the blockchain, right? When you send a Bitcoin transaction, you're using somebody else's node. You're trusting them. You don't have to. You could run your own node. Hey, maybe it means nothing to you. Maybe it's just like this is all gobbledygook, an hour of gobbledygook. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. I'm just saying, though, yeah, it it's both from a logical and an emotional perspective that, you know, this was the right choice. And uh, hopefully, whatever, it doesn't matter. Remember, I, I don't have any Bitcoin. Um, that's the whole thing. It's just something I really believe in, guys. So just remember, you know, don't hold me to some standard of like, oh, how much you got or whatever like that. It has, it's not about that, okay? This is me trying to tell... A country of lamplighters that electricity is coming. That's all. All right. So anyways, thank you for listening 
to the Rojan Kim cast. Hey, I put up a new, um, if you want to help me accumulate Bitcoin, you can send me some sats over Lightning or the on-chain. You can go to my webpage, go to donate, rojan.kim slash donate. If you want to give me cuck bucks, give me cuck bucks. Go ahead. I'll take it. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to keep making podcasts and videos, okay? I'm going to make music like you heard in the beginning. And I have another song coming, all right? All this stuff takes time, energy, and if you feel like it's worth a shekel or a sad or something, please. Please. (laughs) Please. I appreciate any generosity. Okay, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Until next time.